Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Jason Resnick. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Can you uh, tell folks who haven't heard of you before who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, as I just said, my name is Jason Resnick. Uh, Res online, as most people know who I am there. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a web developer. Have been since the late '90s, so showing my age a little bit, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I've worked the full gamut from Fortune 50 companies to eight small agencies, large agencies, consultant firms, um, and then I struck out on my own, doing my own thing twice. Uh, the second second time is in 2010 and i've been doing that full-time ever since excellent so the, the main reason the impetus of this phone call is that uh i don't know i don't want to air too much dirty laundry but I, I was considering a platform migration from drip to convert kit so that's the mm -hmm. you know anyone listening to this show i'm sure knows i send out daily emails so i'm a very heavy user of email uh, automation, email marketing software. And, you know, it's one of my daily tools. So like small things really matter to me because it really adds up over time. If there are small things that are annoying or not the way I'd like them or whatever, whatever the case <laughs> may be. So I was kind of, um, you know, to be honest, I was kind of ranting about this in a Slack room that we're both in. And as many times as we've talked in the past, I, you were not pigeonholed in my mind as, like an email marketing platform guru the way that you are now. So like, it was, it was like, we started talking and I was like, wow, these are like, Jason's got like amazing answers to these questions. What's going on here? And, you know, so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, and, and then I came to realize like, oh, this is like your deal. So, so <laughs> could you uh, tell people a little bit about your, I, I don't know, I'll use the wrong word, but sort of con convert kit trusted partner or whatever it is. And I think you're also a drip one and yes, and that whole, yeah, talk a little bit about how that piece of it happened, the sort of partner thing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I, like I said, I was, a, I am a web developer. Um, I focused ever since I started on my own, I focused with e-commerce companies, um, whether they were selling digital physical products, uh, you know, membership websites, subscriptions, even nonprofits, basically anybody that was taking some sort of a transaction online. Mm -hmm. uh, and as that grew and I really started to work, you know, fall, sort of fall into a specialty there um, where I was helping them decrease the time from the first interaction to their first purchase, as well as creating repeat buyers and raving fans out of the customers. Um, that was around, I guess, 20, 2013, 2014-ish. Um, I really started to look into email marketing because that was kind of, you know, I mean, obviously at that point in time, um, it, it, it was out there, it was doing it, but it wasn't doing it at the level that it is now. Um, but I was a web developer, so when Drip came along, uh, I was taking a look at their API and to be able to do some of the things that Drip was able to do through the API, meaning leveraging that subscriber data on the website, making the experience on the website a little bit more personal 
based around, you know, whether you opened up the last email or not and these kind of things. And, you know, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole of personalization there, but that was the genesis of where I am today because what I was doing with my clients, as far as the development end of it, people wanted more of the, the other stuff. They wanted the, the on-site personalization. They wanted the, you know, the, 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 behavioral marketing that I was implementing more so than the custom development work that I was doing. Um, cause at the time, and I still do this to this day is I sort of put that final 20% into their website, right? So like out of the box, they, you know, install WooCommerce or whatever, they get 80% of the way there. They see that it's working and getting traction and then they want to put the rest of their business into it. Um, you know, whether that's inventory control or anything like that. So I can you sort of, can you sort of drill into that a little bit more? I want to make sure it's like clear. So when you say when you say put 80 percent into and you mentioned WooCommerce, like I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure I'm following. So sure. Yeah. So I I focus in on WooCommerce based customers and a lot of times the companies would install WooCommerce and find out that it would it was working for them um, just out of the box. Like they would be able to sell products, they would be able to do these things. But then other areas of the business, whether it was a brick and mortar business, like I had one oh, I see. customer that was an ice cream shop that only could deliver to local areas because otherwise it would melt <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, um, so things like that, right? Um, so that's what you meant when you said put the rest of the business into it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, so, but then I noticed a trend towards the behavioral marketing stuff, the email marketing and automation and things. And I decided like that I could essentially do a lot of that stuff with JavaScript code. I didn't need to be in the, the WooCommerce space or Magento space or any of that kind of stuff. So I just gave it a shot. And I basically said, okay, I'll give this six months. I'm going to essentially slice that part of the business out and offer that as a service. Um, and at that time, it was just Drip. Mm -hmm. And I wound up getting a couple of Shopify customers, um, a couple of Magento customers. Um, and it worked out well. Um, you know, it, it was nice and easy for me to be able to implement that stuff over and over again. It was a platform that was working well. Um, you know, support was great too in the growing API there and all that other stuff. Uh, so, you know, I was like, okay, this is great. When they offered the consultant, um, I think they called it like a certified consultant program or something like that. Um, uh, they knew who I was, um, cause just in the, in and around the community around Twitter and things like that, I would jump into these conversations where t drip was mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and not not to totally get out of the weed into the weeds over there, but I would just basically set up a Zapier recipe to look for those mentions and then ping <laughs> me in my own private Slack. Um, <laughs> so I kind of jumped ahead of Drip a lot of times in the conversations, and I would just offer suggestions or answers or things like that because I was well versed in that platform. So now is that sorry to interrupt? Is that where these clients came from? Because they saw you interact with them, and okay, yeah, yeah, a lot of so times. So you're so basically you being helpful online in public brought you to the attention of 
strip, but also right. a bunch of clients who were evidently wrestling with these problems. And then you just basically act like uh, third party support in a way. Exactly. Exactly right. Awesome. And they said, well, we're opening up this consultancy plat platform or certification program or whatever you want to call it, um, which was really just a course on how to use drip in the best way that they wanted you to use it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I dove in. I, I was in the first cohort of those. I don't really think they have two of them. I'm not really sure how many cohorts they had of that. Um, but it put me into the directory there. It put me into, you know, into the cycle, the cog over there as well for custom requests that their customers were getting. So they would feed leads over that, you know, that they weren't going to handle, but I could. So mm -hmm. that was the genesis of that service of my business. And now that over six months time became half of the revenue into my business. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's like, I mean, it's not, I, I almost said it's crazy, but it's not crazy. I've seen it happen all the time. So, you know, people pick a platform. It could be, I, I talked to Ben on an earlier episode from Knapsack about the same exact thing with Squarespace. I've talked to Kurt Elster in the past, same exact thing with Shopify. And now mm -hmm. you talking about this with Drip. And, and the, the, I will point out that the one thing that's in common with all three stories is that you guys were all really early. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that was the, the biggest thing because me being able to just jump ahead of drip in a lot of the conversations on the social web, so to speak, allowed drip to see who I was. Yep. Right. So, um, and it was a little, you know, people, you know, had one off questions or they would complain or whatever it could be. Um, I'd answer it either with a screenshot or a link or a knowledge base article or whatever, or my own blog posts, mm -hmm. you know, cause I would write about these things as well. But, um, you know, it was really that drip would then say, Hey, look, you know, I think Jason can handle this for you. You know, here's, you know, here's his Twitter handle or here's his email and, and you can have a good conversation with him to do that. Um, so I, I've always looked at platforms as a tool. I mean, even WooCommerce and WordPress, same thing. I mean, I, I grew up doing Java development and, you know, Ruby development. I moved to Ruby on Rails and, you know, I kind of just looked at it as a tool for providing a solution to my clients. Mm. So <clears throat> with that being said, similarly, I did the same thing with ConvertKit. Um, so before we go there, yeah, so sure. I, I'm dying to hear this too, but before we go there, I want to, and maybe you can't answer, maybe you don't know the answer to this question, but what gave you the confidence to make that leap? You know, so like you had to decide at some point to set up that zap and mm. and to jump onto Twitter and jump in front of drip support. What what in do you remember? Was there a thing that you said, you know, was there a moment when you were like, I think this is going to be big? Or was it more like you were really into the platform at the time? And it was fun and you just liked answering the questions or maybe some other third option or like, or do you just have natural business instincts and you were just like following the, the interest of the prospects that you'd been talking to? I think a mixture, to be honest, I don't, I'd like to say that I, you know, I had the foresight to see that this was going to work, but, um, I just knew how I ran my business in the past and how I was able to jump into the conversations and, and solve problems. Um, even in the WordPress space world, I've, I made relationships with tools that I use on a daily basis. Uh, so I just thought, okay, well, I can do the same thing with Drip and 
whether or not they see me or not, I'm still helping other people solve problems. And I was getting clients in that way too. Mm. So, um, for me, it was semi-intentional and, and not so much. I mean, I loved the platform. I loved what it was able to do and, you know, just being able to geek out and, you know, be Mm. able to tie two things together in a nice way that, created a more human experience online for the, 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 the visitors or the customers or whoever they are. Um, that was, you know, I was, I was all for that. Yeah, that's fun. All right, cool. So, so transition to convert kit, what went down there? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, what was funny was that when I decided for myself to use drip, um, I, <laughs> it was, it was real, that was like complete timing thing because I literally, decided to go put all of my email contacts and everything into drip. And then about a week later, I, I saw a convert kit. Um, <laughs> it was really like, it, it was really just a timing thing. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, like they're kind of the same thing almost. At, and from my point of view at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, so I kind of had an ear to the ground with convert kit. Um, and I always watched it and all that. And, I guess it was just the engineering behind drip and what Rob and Derek were doing. You know, for me, drip made more sense for what I needed it for, from my clients and my own business, but I never ignored convert kit. I, I love what Nathan's all about and his culture and everything he does over there. Um, but I, there would be leads that would come to me that would say, you know, all the right things, but then say one thing that they didn't need that drip was very good at but convert kit you know wasn't or vice versa i would just direct them to one or the other mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> when <laughs> the thing that i took a step back was f- from drip was when lead pages entered the, the picture right um uh, because that was at the time where i had already made you know half of my business now was drip related um, I hadn't posted anything online, like my website or anything that I was drip certified. I was, you know, this is a service that I offer or anything like that. In fact, I was like, okay, I'm stepping back from this cause I don't know what drips going to even look like. Like, I just don't know. So let's know? pause there. Cause you just said that you, at, you never put the drip thing on your website. No. So all of your leads were from social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either social media or through the directory. Right. Okay. Good, good. All right. Got good. That's a, I think that's a very important point for people yeah. listening. They're like, wow, he didn't even update his website. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for me, and what's funny is like, I, I get less than 20% of my clients, my services clients through my website. Mm. I mean, that's just the way that I don't know the nature of my business and how I've structured my referral engine and all these other things are just, you know, and I'm a one man show, so I don't need like a hundred clients either. So right. I have my eight and I'm good. So yeah. And what you um, do is so specific. It's incredibly easy to recommend you. Like somebody says, Oh, right. I'm thinking about migrating from convert kit to drip or drip to convert kit immediately. You're the only name that's going to pop into my head from now until the infinity. So, <laughs> right. right. So it's right. like, so it's like, uh, uh, anyway, it's amazing. So, and, and I do want to call out one other thing that you alluded to, which is that, uh, what you're talking about is a platform specialization, what I refer to as a platform specialization. And it has a lot of advantages, like all things, it has pros and cons. And the one of the cons is your fortunes are tied to the platform. Mm-hmm. 
you know, hello, Flash developers. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I just wanted to like call that out explicitly. So, so now you saw it. You know, lead pages acquired Drip, right. Rob, and I, I'm I'm sorry, I don't know the other guy's name. Derek Reimer. Okay, yeah. R- Rob and Derek. They're you know golden handcuffs. They're going to be out of the picture. All the sort of plates are in the air. What's going to happen? And yeah. if your whole business is built on top of Drip then of course that's going to give you pause. You're going to wonder what's going to happen. You're going to wonder what lead page is going to do with it. The guy that founded lead pages left. So like what, like what is even going to happen here? Right. You know, like how long until Salesforce buys them or whatever. (laughs) So, okay. So all those thoughts came into my head. I'm like, okay, this uh, Google swoop in. I mean, like (laughs) who's coming in, right? Like, so yeah, I literally took a step back and I even, you know, I even said to my wife, I said, look, this whole thing that I've been doing over the summer, like carving out a part of my business now is like falling apart. Like yeah. I, it could fall apart. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to take a step back. Still kind of just put it on cruise control, right? Like I still did what I did. I didn't really ramp up anything. And like I said, I didn't put anything on the web on my site to talk about it. I kind of just wanted to see what would what, what unfold there. Hmm. And <clears throat> now were you still I, doing this sort of, this sort of uh, answer bombing on Twitter for or would you kind yeah. of, okay. Yeah. I mean, I still do. I did it today even. It's just, you know, it's become a part of the process, I guess. Yep. Um, okay. I so, got to pause again. Cause that is a great sure. point that, that feeling I, I can't think of, I, I don't think I, I might've never met anybody who didn't enjoy helping someone else. Like, I don't think <laughs> right. I've ever met someone who didn't enjoy helping someone out, whether it's introducing them to someone or giving them an answer to a question that they, you know, like who, who, what kind of person like wants to hold that kind of information back when they have it? Like I have expertise right. that can help this person who's in pain. It's just a natural human thing. You want to do it, but it acts as marketing. I almost don't want to call it marketing because that yeah. can turn people off. But imagine if all day long, air quotes, marketing your business involved you helping people online it's fun right yeah a hundred percent i mean you know like i come from you know like i worked at a consultant firm where you know we worked for startups and i literally ran the gamut of every tech you know coding standard of everything like Mm. you know from java to php to you know com objects to dot net like it was whoever (laughs) whoever language the company hired us for that's what we had to write and Mm. so i learned i mean within a two-year period i learned exactly what languages i liked and which languages i didn't and why i didn't and all that stuff and you know i i I gravitated towards the open source sort of thing Mm. that whole community and being able to help people and learn from other pieces of code and like all of that and so yeah i mean just yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, today, one person had a problem with, you know, defaults in Drip. And I'm like, okay, that's just, just go to this screen under your account and there you go. And they can override them per, mm. you know, like it's just, it's, it's part of the process. I saw it come through my Slack channel and boom, I went and answered it. And so and so, you know, so I, cool. who knows, right? So mm. for me, it's, it was just the way that, I don't know. I've built my business on the back of being helped. So why can't I help somebody else? Yeah. And it's fun. It's like, that's the thing. It's fun. It's, it, it is its own reward. And oh, by the way, it ends up getting you money later. (laughs) Right. It's just, it's the best thing ever. Like going out and helping people. It's, I mean, it's almost gets cheesy, like Tony Robbins level of like, (laughs) you know, 
it's it's not karma it's it's like more predictable than karma like if you just help right. people all the time be better people are going to want to be around you and eventually yep. someone's going to want to give you money and you can just fund this mission of helping people it's like super kumbaya but uh <laughs> I, I see it work over and over and over anyway yep. so so here you are you've put all this work into this platform you feel like you've built something uh you know you're, you're building like some track you've got some traction you're building like a repeatable business uh then things are sort of thrown into uncertainty by the acquisition and what next yeah and the people that i worked closely with over over at drip specifically in and around the certification program um they were still there at that time they were still saying all the right things um, and I, it, it still sort of felt comfortable, but there was always this like, you know, it could be just like, you know, the New Yorker in me or whatever, but like there's this thing in the back of my head where it's just like, I don't know, something's going to happen here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I, so I was just like, all right, I'll just do, you know, I'm going to run my business the way I run my business. Um, you know, same thing as always, like if WordPress went away, like I, I chose WooCommerce, I mean, in and around the WordPress space, when I decided to niche down on WooCommerce, that was before Automatic bought them. So it was mm -hmm. like, I, I could have easily went with another plugin and been just ground zero, right? Yep. So, yeah, because then um, WooCommerce would have been the only game in town. Right. So... Yep. Um, so I, I just thought back to that and say, Hey, look, you know, it's not that if lead pages absorbs drip and, you know, does nothing with it and, you know, archives it in some, you know, tape backup somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you have MailChimp, you have all the platforms, you have Infusionsoft, you have the knowledge, the process of what you do is there. It's just different tool to use it. Yeah. So, the outcome that the client wants Right. Is still achievable with one of these other platforms. So like you understand the problem, you understand the motivation, you understand the value of it to the clients. And if the tool goes away, you know, if, if whatever, if your, your table saw goes away, okay, I'll use a chop saw. Right. Yep. hundred percent. And so I was just like, okay, I, I can't, I can't sit back. You know, I put the page up on my site, you know, I did, did what I do. Right. Um, and then <clears throat> Knowing what, knowing that Rob and Derek, you know, they, you know, Rob had to hang around for a couple of years. Um, for me, that was like, okay, once Rob's gone from Drip, I guarantee you this whole thing's going to change. Mm. And you can see it over the course of the two years that he was there. Um, you know, as it got closer and closer and closer, it was almost like, <laughs> I don't know, like somebody pushing somebody off the end of the high dive or something, you know, like <laughs> it was just, it was just one of those things. And like, there were certain people, certain key connections that I had, you know, relationships that I had built, they were left, they, you know, went on other ventures and things. So I didn't really even have too many contacts over there anymore. Mm, um, yeah. Connections are starting to go away and right. I, I'm not, I don't want it to turn into a bashing thing, but drip is definitely no. going there. They've got a different strategy. Now they're going right. in a different direction. It's, it's become quite obvious in the past week or two that they're focusing on e-commerce somehow. And the language of the interface and everything is changing away from what I, what I went to it for. So whatever, like they're, right. they're and making a fine. decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had no problems with that. Um, and, but for me and my business and, you know, my, you know, supporting my family and all that, that's when I said, okay, well, let me go check out ConvertKit. 
let me see what they're all about. Um, you know, Nathan had reached out to me. I had, you know, corresponded him through Twitter a few times. Um, how did that happen? Just, you know, in the matter of the cocktail party that is, Mm, uh, that is Twitter rather, you know? Um, but he knew, he knew, um, you know, he knew what I was doing with drip. He understood that. Um, and he was just kind of pinging me because I was doing the same thing with ConvertKit customers that I was doing with drip where I would just set up that little notification system. Um, and so he was just curious and he, uh, you know, he, he reached out and he asked me a few questions, just kind of like, I guess just gauging really more along the lines of like, you know, just research, you know, like what problems do you hear people talking about and things like that. So, um, you know, just doing due diligence and all. And, you know, for me, it was just like, okay, well, there's no reason I offer, I tell leads and clients that ConvertKit exists. Let me go through their certification program because <laughs> I saw did, that they yeah, had did, one. I was going to say, yeah, did it exist already or, or was is he sort it, of feeling you out? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, it existed in part there. And I, I guess, you know, what he was looking for was because he saw that I told the line between business and engineering. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of the ConvertKit customers at the time, you know, a couple of years back, and it's still very much the same, but, you know, they're bloggers, they're creators, they're not necessarily hardcore power API developers or anything like that, that are trying to boost, you know, the business in that regard. So, um, you know, whether or not he was doing that, but I, I looked at their directory and I felt that, okay, I could help, help in some way, right? Like I would be different than some of the other experts because mm-hmm. that's who they call them, um, experts, because of my knowledge, my developer background, my knowledge of APIs and things like that. So um, I went through their program and met some nice people. Um, and similarly, it just basically became another service that I, it's the same. Like I said, it's the same service. It's just the different tools. So now yeah, I offer yeah. the same thing. It just when a lead comes to me, depending on if they don't have either, then I just do an evaluation and we find the best fit. Or if they come to me, you know, like some of the conversations that we had, you know, where you were thinking about switching, mm. you know, I've had those conversations with leads too. Um, you know, and it's just the way I do business now. It's like, I would say 75 to 80% of my revenue is driven by that part of my business. Mm. So here's what's really cool about this is that of the folks that I've talked to on the podcast and elsewhere, I can't think of another example that has of another person who's such a clear example of multiple platform specializations at the same time. Usually they are either, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's fascinating that you're sort of over, you're sort of dovetailing them. And covering all the bases and maintaining, I mean, it's not, uh, I'm not shocked by it, but, you know, sort of kudos to you for like keeping the, keeping your eyes on the prize, so to speak, in that like, it's, you're not, <clears throat> yeah, you're a drip expert and you're or a partner and a convert kit expert, but that's not the point. You know, it's like you, you all the, the eggs that you put all in the same basket, if there is one, is delivering customer success to your clients. Mm-hmm in this particular way, like these sorts of outcomes. And along the way, yeah, you're going to learn how to use the chop saw and the table saw. 
And right, right. they don't really, it, I, well, here's a good question. Usually with a platform specialization, the client does kind of care. A, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of times they've already made the decision that they're going, you know, that they're either have decided or they're heavily favoring going with a particular platform for a particular thing. And then they decide that, oh, we just need somebody to help us do it more quickly and, and, and efficiently, accurately without stepping on landmines, that kind of thing. Is that the case? Is that your experience or is it different in your case? Um, like, do people come to you and be like, hey, we need a ConvertKit expert because we're definitely going to use ConvertKit or we're thinking about using ConvertKit? Or do they come to you and say, um, we're thinking about doing email marketing and integrating that with our website. What tools would you recommend? Yeah, I think it's a mixture. Um, I would say when I first started down this road, it was more of the, hey, we're thinking of email marketing. What do you suggest? Because they hadn't really done it yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe they trialed one or the other or neither, um, but they haven't really dove in. Um, now that it's a little bit more mature, I guess, um, you know, they they already have an account with one or the other. Um, and they they either they're in a either the account's a mess or they're trying to do things that you know they haven't done before maybe they're just using it like an email blast and they're not really do and they have like some lead magnetism forms but they don't you know they want to integrate webinar selling they want to integrate other tools into it um so they haven't really gone down that road and they're not really sure how to do all of that um and that that stuff scares them right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um i think that's i mean it's a great question because I would definitely say that it's probably more of that now because of just the time that we live in. Hmm. Yeah, that's wild. It's so, it's it's interesting. I'm sort of like I'm still chewing on this idea. I haven't got like a. I, I usually have an opinion on everything immediately. And I don't have that. <laughs> I'm still chewing on this one of like multiple simultaneous platform specializations, and like the and and the 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 pivot that Drip's doing. And the fact, like this time, the timing is wild because there's going to be a window of opportunity that reminds me of GDPR, where there's that or or thing like that, where there's this window of opportunity where there are going to be a whole bunch of people who want an even more specific service, which is like I've been using Drip for this thing that they're not going to do anymore. How do I get on to ConvertKit? Mm-hmm. And that's even more specific and. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, you've, you've got probably got checklists of like, here's what you do and like, here are the yeah. things to consider and different size clients. So, so I, I don't know if we've talked, we haven't really, we've kind of been dancing around the idea of productized services. We've talked about it kind of obliquely, but it, when we were chatting in Slack earlier, uh, uh, correct, uh, refresh my memory. As I recall, you have a specific productized service for migrating from one platform to the other, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And how do you, so, so my, in the context of the show, the listeners are used to me talking about productized services and I have a, I think I have an overly specific definition of it. So let me just like <laughs> float that to you in case it's different than yours. And then you can tell me how you match up to it. If, if sure. at all. So to me, a productized service is a relatively fixed scope service that you offer at a published price, uh, and you know, on usually typically on your website. Mm -hmm. So people would be able to come to your website and be like, you know, in your case, be like drip to convert kit migration, $10,000 click here for more information or click here to buy or click here to apply or whatever the call to action is. Um, 
you know, and that's, that's just a generic sort of catch all definition. Mm -hmm. I know some people, you know, you, you haven't even put tons of stuff on your website. If I remember correctly, you don't even have navigation to this product on your website. It's kind of a, you're much more of a word of mouth slash social media linking kind of guy. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how, how does it, how does it work for you? What's your experience? Well, a whole bunch of questions. Um, I suppose it'd be interesting to give people a, a brief idea of process just so they can kind of wrap their heads around it. Cause you're a web developer, tons of developers are listening to this show and like what, what's different in your ex- way back in your experience of doing custom projects and client work, like just high touch one-off custom projects where you're learning a new language <laughs> to do the thing where you're like mm-hmm. just constantly on the learning curve. You're never off the learning curve. Right. How does that compare to like doing air quotes, the same thing over and over and over for clients? Yeah. I mean, it's very different except for the fact that when I productized my web development services, um, you know, when I was doing just, I was a custom WooCommerce developer, Mm -hmm. um, I productized everything else around it. So in other words, we had weekly scrum calls, which it's not the agile scrum. I just call them scrum calls. They were just 15 minute catch up calls at the end of the week. Um, basically client communication, what the deliverables were, all of those things. I basically productized every piece of the puzzle other than the middle part. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then the middle part was completely custom. Mm-hmm. So meaning similarly, you, you created systems for all of the communications and all of the, right. all the process and all that stuff, right. how yeah. to buy from me, how to pay, like all of that stuff was there. And it was just really that middle piece of, you know, who you are and what you do is different. Right. Um, <clears throat> so similarly, I did the same thing. I do the same thing with, with, you know, for example, the migration service. Um, it, the thing that is, the custom part is everybody's business is different, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's setup is completely different. Some people have a naming convention for tags. Some people don't, right? Most people yep. don't. Yep. Um, Guilty. You know, <laughs> most people, <laughs> most people, you know, I, I can't even tell you There's I basically, there's three kinds of users that I found with for any platform, whether it's ConvertKit, drip or whatever. Mm. Um, it's usually a power user, yep. like somebody that, you know, writes liquid code in their emails and, and, you know, basically understands the underpinnings of the platform and uses it to the best of its ability, which is a rare, they're rare. Yeah. Um, then there's the middle ground folks who blast emails to segments. Um, they have tagging around things. They have lead, you know, magnets, they use rules in amongst the rules to be, if this, then that they have some, basic workflows. Um, those are usually the messiest type of accounts. <laughs> um, and they're often the accounts that like you were saying before, the checklist is comes ha- in handy because they don't know, they, don't, they can't remember all the corners of the business oh. and until they switch. They're like, well, this thing isn't working. I'm like, well, oh, I didn't know yeah, about this thing. Yeah, it's so, brutal. It's brutal. And then the, the third one is like <laughs> the people that are just the beginners. They're just like, you know, I signed up for drip based off of some promotion or, you know, convert kit off of some promotion. And I just blast my entire list every Thursday, you know, and, and they have some tagging, they, you know, whatever, but yeah. it's just really basic. So I can usually get that picture just by logging in. And then I could kind of go down that road 
I basically have like this discovery. Yeah, you do. Is this hour. like is this before they have paid or after? Uh, this is uh, after. Okay. Right. So the 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 service in and of itself is that they send me an application of their account, and I see if it's a good fit. Um, you know, it could, there's different data points that I look for, like subscriber count and how do the, well do they know their business? Who am I talking to? Those kind of things. Sure. I mean, I've heard you talk about, you know, this to your audience before, as far as the, the project, I call it a project brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it's a good fit, then I say, okay, this is great. We can move forward. Um, basically here's you, you pay, we have a kickoff call and we dive in. Um, so let me, let yeah. me just call something out there. You understand this already, but I just want to call it out, which is that someone could fail that test. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that is not obvious to lots of people when I'm, when I'm standing on my soapbox and telling the world what to do. (laughs) The thing that the people, a lot of people will scratch their heads because they're like, but it'll blow up in my face because of these reasons. And, and the thing that they're often miss is that you can say no to the ones mm-hmm. that you can tell are going to blow up in your face. Cause most, yeah. most people are so like, they don't get a lot of leads and they're mm-hmm. sort of like not living hand to mouth, but they just don't have a lot of leads. So whenever, when a lead comes in, they close, like they'll do whatever they have to do to try to close it, it which is a very different mindset to what you're describing and like, and, and living, which is that, look, I do this thing. It's relatively fixed scope. That's the key. Right. And if the person's scope isn't going to fit into what I offer here, I'm going to say no. So, so when people are like, well, I can't charge only $2,000 for that because some clients will have a massive rat's nest of problems. And like, right. those are the clients you filter out. Okay, right. Sorry. Yeah. To, sorry to interrupt. I just had to like, call no, that I mean, out. it's, it's, it's I, I, I always say no is a powerful word. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I talk to a lot of freelancers and when they tell me that they're afraid to either put their price online or put a filter online that their leads will dry up. I say, that's a good thing. Then you're only getting tire kickers. I mean, who wants tire kickers that, you know, they haven't really thought about their project. And part of my project brief is I want them to have stopped and stop and think about what you want for five minutes. I don't want to just have a, conversation get on a phone and with somebody because you had a conversation at a barbecue over the weekend mm-hmm. and like yeah th- think about the what this does for your business and so a client once, with no goals is unsatisfiable right so yeah. that's where or scope unrealistic goals sure right? that's so, that's like, bad too i mean just case in point some of the day some of the leads that i say no immediately to are some of the folks that that come in and they say, I have 300 subscribers and I want to make, you know, half a million dollars in six months. <laughs> I say, okay, how's that happening? What I want that too. Like, right? <laughs> like, what are you selling a hundred thousand dollar service? I mean, I don't know, but, yeah. um, so yeah. And I say, well, that th- those goals are unrealistic. So, um, it's just <clears throat> that project brief for me is, is definitely my profit saver. Right. Like I don't want to get on a phone call if somebody hasn't thought about it. I don't want to hash out their problems. I want them to know what their problems are and that they're coming to me for a solution. So so what I do on the back of that kickoff call is and it's really a quick call. It's really just to get access if they haven't given it to me already. I usually put them through an onboarding process, an email that just goes out and says, here, this is what I need from you. Um, and then 
the kickoff call is really just, hey, what what are you struggling? Why what why are we doing this thing? I want to hear it in their voice. I want to see it on their face. Critical, um, critical. Yep. To to understand really what they're struggling with, so that I know whether to stay away from certain things or gravitate towards other things. You know, so um, that's what that kickoff is call is critical for. So then once I dive in and I kind of basically spend a half an hour in their account to see if I could get the majority or understand the majority of what they're doing in their account so that I could put the process in place to migrate them. Yeah. Now, and it also gives you like it, it, that, that convo that like real time and you do video usually. Yes. Yeah. So that's that conversation. Yeah. Uh, you're getting a lot of you're marinating yourself in their situation and their yes. goals, their wants, their needs, their dreams, their fears, their nightmares. And you're like, okay, I'm going to feel for this. Like I can see, here's, here's how I look at it. I'm putting words in your mouth. Here's how I look at it. When I do that, what I'm doing is I'm learning as much about them as I can, as quickly as I can, so that I can make what I believe are good recommendations Mm -hmm. because there's a million ways to skin the cat. And I mean, I'm not talking, I'm talking about things maybe a little bit more broad than migrations, but still this, I mean, they're comp, they gotta be complicated. And you get to a point, yeah. yeah, And sometimes there's a fork in the road and you as the expert, there's pros and cons to both choices. But if you know the person, I don't know, something about the part, if you know something about the person or the business or the goals or something, you'd be like, Oh, option a is definitely for these guys. Option a is the no brainer. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing too, is like it, it, even on the socials, you hear, like drip and convert it in the same breath all the time. But yeah. it's, I, and I tell people this all the time. It's not apples to apples. They are two different platforms. They're two different applications. It's more like an apple to an orange. You know, one can do 80% of what, it, what the other does. So how important is that other 20% to you? And if it is that important, is it that important that we either move or do we find another solution to it or mm-hmm. what? Right. Yep. Is there so a workaround at the switching right. costs worth it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's really what that, you know, that piece of that discovery is all about is to figure out exactly what are we moving? How are we moving it? Um, and that fixed scope that I have really comes in and around the implementation side of things. So if they, most people have three main forms, three or four main forms. If they have like tons, like I've, I've run into people that have 30 different lead magnets. I'm Mm. like, okay, well we can either have one form and dictate the lead magnet that shoots out of that form or, you know, some streamline. If they're really insistent on having this big thing, a multiple of, of forms or whatever, then I say, look, that that's not in this scope. I'll do this in within the scope. And this is an added cost. This could be a phase two kind of thing, whatever. Right? And you would so let me so again, I'm gonna put words in your mouth. You would find this out early, right? Very early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So like they've paid you, you've had a kickoff meeting, you've spent a half an hour on a phone call with them. Or, or I actually you didn't say how long is the phone call usually? The phone call is usually about a half hour. Okay. And then a half an hour poking around in their account. Mm-hmm. And you could find at this point that that they've got three hundred forms set up. Right. And you you email them or you call them or whatever say like you make a recommendation we should probably pare this down there's better probably better ways to handle this be more efficient for you no no no. we need 300 forms you're like "Mm, i'm gonna refund your money yep because this is not gonna work yeah i mean i haven't i've had the difficult conversation i've never had to refund anybody but it's just it's more often than that 
this is how they knew how to do it. And they didn't know how to do it the other way or a better way or a more efficient way or a more manageable way. And so they they appreciate the fact that I'm coming at them to try to make their life easier. And they're right, like, oh, right, I didn't right. know I could do it that way. Yeah, that's they'll usually great. agree with you. Yes. Right. Yes. So which makes my life easier. And mm-hmm. that's a part of that, that I'll be honest, over the years, I've been doing this almost a decade now full time for myself, that project brief has evolved where I could, I have questions in there that are questions that could tell me if they are more receptive to, to suggestions or not. Mm. So, and that's part of that failure test is if they don't answer those questions in a, in an appropriate way, then I'm like, okay, that's a red flag. Yeah. Red right? flags. So, so yeah. And, and that's really how it works. And once we decide on some, you know, strategy, um, then I just get to work and implement, you know, their migration and, and move forward. I mean, I have other productized services around that things like evergreen newsletters or, uh, webinar, you know, implementations, things like that, that are more really just, you know, that's the repeatable thing where there's, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. Maybe the integration's different, but webinar is a webinar. You know, you have the primer to show up and then you have the follow up after it. Um, you know, and that's the same sort of sequence and you're just directing people to a certain CTA call to action. So, um, other than, other than that, um, you know, Otherwise, the services that I offer are more, you know, on a recurring monthly basis where it's I'm helping them I'm being their, you know, marketing engine, so to speak, I, I call it is because I help them build that foundation for their marketing and I help them with their strategy for their business. I don't do Facebook ads or any of that front facing stuff, but yep. I basically you feed your top of the funnel into it. Yes. And yeah. this thing handles it. Yep. OK, so, man. We could do we could do two more episodes. On, <laughs> uh, we could do an entire episode on the project brief. We could do an entire episode on how you cross sell the services later. I'm super curious about that. But I think the point of this episode, the thing I really want to get across to people, is the the sort of nuances and the day to day of of <clears throat> doing productized services instead of one off constantly different custom projects for different kinds of people all the time using different tools. And, and you, you are, have, you're such a great example of like both extremes because you were learning new languages to, to <laughs> dev. Not a, I haven't come across a lot of people who can say that they, they would, they would learn .NET to take a project <laughs> on. And then later in their career, they're like, I, I do drip to convert kit migrations. So that's a service <laughs> that I have. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, the I two polar ends. Either. <laughs> yeah, those are the two opposite ends of the spectrum. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, I'll be honest, the, 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 I got burnt out basically in 2011, 2012, big time burnt out, where um, it was essentially a month after I proposed to my now wife. I said I was going back to work at a full-time job because I yeah, I felt like I was chasing my tail. I was doing a lot of Ruby on Rails projects. I was doing a lot of custom PHP projects. And it was like every three to six months, I was going back to a technology and relearning what I missed because I wasn't on that kind of a project. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, I mean, she showed support in me that I was t- completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, you know, she said to me that, you know, like, well, that's not what you want to do. I know that. 
So, uh, and you know that, so we'll figure it out one way or the other. I'm like, wait a second, what? Like <laughs> she, she's the, the non gambler, the rock, like I want to know what's going on kind of thing. And like, she's telling me this. So I was like, all right, I got to figure this out. And that's when I first pivoted my business the first time to really focus in on one technology. So I wasn't chasing my tail. I could become that expert in there. Yeah. And so now I just, I've niched down a couple more times, obviously, but, um, yeah, I mean, learning different platforms, it's it's a tool, right? Yeah. And it, yeah, sure. Like I know Drip a lot better than I know ConvertKit. I, I know ConvertKit very well mm-hmm. um, by using it, you know, for the past couple of years. But at the same time, it's just, it's those little subtle nuances that, that at the beginning can get you into trouble, right? Like if you don't know that one platform can do something that the other doesn't, and you suggest that other one that doesn't do that thing, and then you find out that you can't do that, mm. that's where you get into problems. Yeah, but painting yourself into a corner. That's the, yeah. It's the relationships with support teams and, and internal people on those platforms that really make a huge, huge difference. Yeah, that is a big, that's sort of a surprise that's come out of this conversation for me. I wasn't expecting to get so much information about platform specialization, but you are really, really calling out all of the, the highlights, sort of the, the pros and cons of how to do it, what the important parts are. Um, so in, and honestly for developers, a platform specialization is a, is, I mean, uh, I can't, I can't bring myself to say the word easy, but it's, it's less scary. Let's put it like that. It tends to be less scary for people than like a vertical specialization where somebody says, so like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna build Rails apps for dentists, or like mm-hmm. I'm just going to build websites for dentists, and I'm going to get amazing at servicing the dental industry because my parents are both dentists. I know everything about being dentists, and I'm just and I, I love building websites, so I'm just going to specialize on dentists. People have a really, really, I, I from experience, I can tell you that people have a really hard time uh, settling on a vertical specialization because they feel like they're throwing a dart. They're not committed to it. Uh, they, if it doesn't work immediately, they switch to a different one. And the mm-hmm. other thing people people consider generally is a horizontal specialization, like I'm going to be awesome at PHP or I'm going to be awesome at Rails. Uh, Rails is almost a platform; it depends on your buyer. But let's let's say PHP. I'm going to be I'm going to be amazing at um, Amazon Aurora or Lambda mm-hmm. or something really really under the hood. And they just they just love the technology and they want to go deep on it. Platform specialization kind of like splits the difference. And it, for people who are not savvy marketers but still want to focus and still want to focus on a technology angle platform specialization can be really good if you get in early like we talked about if you develop relationships with the people inside of the platform which you just mentioned and if the and your eyes are open to changes in the platform that can negatively affect your business mm-hmm. i think if you keep all of those things in mind platform specialization might be uh, for a certain for for a for a non-trivial percentage of people listening to the show i think platform specialization is a very interesting way to go when you're trying to like get off of that hamster wheel and start start you know stop learning a new language every six months yeah i mean for me you know the productized services that i can you know for lack of a better term it's like basically they're buying a box off a shelf yep I don't have to worry about the vertical. It, it's it is what it is. A migration. I don't care whether you're an e-commerce company, you're a coach, you're you know who knows. You sell yep. digital, pro, you know, physical products somewhere. Um, that's it's 
that's irrelevant. It doesn't change the scope. Right, right. But the recurring services that I do for monthly is vertical. Like I only stick to established online businesses that have, you know, whether they're e-commerce membership sites, sell subscriptions, those kind of things, because that's the business that I understand the most. I've been doing that. I've been working in and around that business for 15 plus years. So I understand that the most. If somebody came to me and, you know, said that they were a speaker or, you know, university, right. And they wanted that sort of recurring service. I couldn't help them as much in the marketing aspect because I wouldn't know what to expect. I'd have to do a lot of research in and around their market um, and it would be less profitable. So, um, not saying that I couldn't do that, those things, but at, at the point, at the price point that I'm at, this is what I understand. And this is who I can serve and help the best. Right. So, so to the dear listener, you know, you know, that sort of like eye rolling commiseration that happens on places like clients from hell or, or just whatever at a meetup <laughs> when you're having coffee with friends and you say, oh, well, there's always surprises on projects. <clears throat> That could be your fault because you're constantly <laughs> doing something completely new. Right, right. And of course, there are going to be way more surprises if you're essentially almost almost changing profession every client. Like I'm going to be a plumber this week and then I'm going to be a garbage man this week and then I'm going to be, I don't know, I'm going to be a roofer the week after that and right. then I'm going to work for Uber. You're always a beginner. You're, you're always, always a, a beginner. beginner. Yeah. It's yeah. like this sugar high of learning at first because you're like, you, I love learning. And it's, you, maybe you're, you're tapped into a client in a new industry or you're learning a new language. And oh, I always wanted to learn React. These right. guys want React. I've never done it before, but I know JavaScript. I can learn it. I can, I can hit the ground running. I can get up to speed over the weekend. Well, the, that, what that leads to is these horrible surprises that turn into scope creep. And right. Yeah. So it, it's like, uh, it, it's sort of a, not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's, it, it's depressingly predictable from the and outside. Yeah. And it's hard for me. If, if, if I had to keep switching like that, I think it would be harder for me to sell a recurring service because oh, yeah. then I can't tell them when certain things would happen or be expecting, um, you know, what are they going to get at the end of month one versus month six? You know, those kind of things. I mean, I, I know what that looks like now. Hmm. You know, I, I, I mean, what I do for my customers, I can say, okay, this is all the low hanging fruit as we ramp up and we kind of clean you up a little bit and we get that foundation built over the first couple of weeks. These are some of these other things we can chop off and, you know, you can start to see a return pretty easily. Um, so I, as a beginner, I don't know that I had those that knowledge. I don't know that I would have been able to do that stuff. So I think, I think the vertical is for me anyway. It's crucial to specialization. I, I you know, like I said, the smaller migrations and webinar implementations and the lead magnets and all of those kind of boxes that you pull off the shelf for me makes it easier for somebody to work with me first without the commitment of the recurring. And then I sell them, you know, mm. whether the relationship works or not on that first go, it's easier to sell them on the recurring later. Yeah. If you hit a home run, it's like, how do we give this guy more money? Right. Yeah, of course. So cool. We should, we, we should probably wrap and get into our weekends. I know we're both getting ready <laughs> for the weekend here, but, uh, 
Thanks you. Thank you so much for that was that was I knew this was going to be good. That was this is like even better than I expected. So thanks a ton for uh, sharing all that experience with uh, with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it for sure. So where should people go to find out more about you online? Sure. Uh, you can find me res.com. That's with three Z's, R-E-Z-Z-Z.com or <laughs> at res on Twitter. Three Z's also. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join us again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Would you like to learn how to get paid what you're worth? How about selling your expertise and not your labor? We work through all of this together in the pricing seminar. Pre-registration starts soon, and you can sign up to be among the first to know when early bird pricing is announced at thepricingseminar.com. That URL again is thepricingseminar.com. Hope to see you there. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.